Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and today's episode, well, it's about you, sort of. You know, we're going to pull back a little bit. We're talking with Sam Alai today, and we're going to talk about big picture stuff that you can incorporate into the way you think about the future of your law firm business. You know, as we've talked about before, in the main triangle of what it is that a law firm business must do, we have to acquire new clients, and we call that acquisition. We produce the results that you promised in production, and we achieve the business and professional results for us, the owners. And in the center of that triangle, driving it all, for better or worse, is you. And so it's kind of cool that once in a while we pull back, we don't talk about marketing, we don't talk about production, we don't talk about finance, specifically anyway. We talk about you. We talk about what drives it all. And this is one of those shows. In the show today, we're going to discuss what the near future really has in store for you and your business, um, because we're really lucky to have Sam Alai on the show today. And Sam, is he helps a lot of law firms actually think about this stuff. He's the founder of My Legal Academy. And the episode today is called The Future is Yours. So Sam Alai, as I said, he's the law firm owner of about six, or not about, I guess specifically, six law firms. Um, but uh, he's, he claims that he's more interested in disrupting the legal market. We're going to talk to him about that. Um, he's built and scaled three of his law firms to multi-million dollars in less than five years. And he spends most of his time helping lawyers around the world create their own scalable law firms inside my Legal Academy. So with all that, Sam, we're looking forward to learning about the future a little bit here and welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I appreciate it, Chris. I look forward to sharing a lot of new ideas and a lot of new ways to be able to kind of disrupt what's already working right now. Yeah, and I want to definitely want to ask you about that stuff. But first of all, for context for the listeners, just sort of like they can kind of put it into perspective. Tell, tell us a little bit about these law firms, particularly the ones that you've grown so big. So everyone's always curious about what, what type of practice types and I usually don't like calling out specifically the names of it because that I usually, that's fine yeah uh, but I'll so share tell the, us what you've built yeah yeah I'll share the practice types uh, the first one is lemon law employment law business law transactional kind of services like LLCs things like that also have one of the biggest uh, iTunes services online and also recently gone into personal injury uh, probably the toughest market and the hardest uh, market to get into but I've been able to do all of those successfully and the best part is it's all automated at this point that way most of my energy goes towards sharing how I do it and pass it off to other people to be able to do it too. Yeah. And so, yeah, which begs the question, of course, if these firms are successful, um, which, uh, you know, if you've grown them to multi-million dollars in less than five years, um, I guess it's a two-sided question. First of all, how do you have time? And you said they're automated, but, you know, talk a little bit more about that. And then the second question we'll come to it is um, why? why? Why do you make a big focus of your efforts to help other law firms grow as well? Early on, I was kind of exposed to kind of foundational uh, concepts of scalable, automated, and virtual early on. This is about eight years ago. So from from the get-go, I basically built, started, I'm like, how can I be able to scale up my own time? So I basically avoided anything that was one-to-one. I didn't have any client meetings. I avoided those. I created instead, focused on creating teams and systems to be able to do all those one-on-one interactions. 
Then also second part, it was virtual. That means I wasn't tied to any physical location, physical office, or even a physical time. So I was able to leverage, hmm, maybe I could be able to create multiple law firms without being held down by the, you know, the structure of a, of a physical location. So I started building out virtual teams. And the third part is automated. Everything that I had to do had to be automated because then that means I don't want to be actively involved with signing up the clients, onboarding the clients, uh, serving the clients, collecting reviews. So every part of this either had a virtual team behind it or an automated system to be able to take care of all those different parts of running a law firm. And once I did it the first time for my first law firm called Malay Law, kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, hmm, I think I figured out the recipe. I could basically run, do this kind of marketing that could bring me clients consistently. Then I could have this virtual team that could onboard them. Then I could have this virtual team that could uh, basically start the filings. Then I could have my, you know, my in-house attorney review it, take care of the clients again, and then have built out this virtual operations to be able to do more marketing and that will flee itself. And when I saw this being built once, I'm like, I could probably duplicate this. So that's when I've been on the journey and I duplicated over and over and over. And then later on a question, I'm like, why did I do that? And I realized it was my mentor who kind of got me to create these multiple law firms. And I also questioned him. I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this thing? And I think <laughs> the gist of it is we're diversifying uh, ourselves. You know, uh, you always want to go deep into something, but at the same time, in, a, in order, um, you know, there's ebbs and flows in different businesses. So now, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, I could have incredible months, but some of the law firms could potentially could level off. So but at that point, right. but because I'm diversified, I don't worry as much. I just go focus on getting, growing all of them. And if there's ebbs and flows, so be it. So I think what some of the listeners like hearing that story, which I, th- I think is fascinating and, and uh, you know, something I definitely buy into. Like you talked about the first one, and I think that's the one that people would be most interested in asking the question, okay, that's all well and good to avoid the one-on-one, to automate, to put a team. But like when you're at zero, how do you put a team on? How do you, you know, get that automation done? Don't you have to start with the one-on-ones and then build out of that? Totally. And I did. The first two or three years, I had to be very actively involved with signing up the clients myself, doing the filings, onboarding the clients, doing everything. And that's where I mm-hmm. kind of got really gone to the weeds and I really did, under, did understand and practice sales and operations and marketing. So yeah, it's very important to kind of uh, be very practical and do it so that you'll be able to delegate it or create systems behind it. Right. Yeah. Because it's easier to build the systems if you know how to run them, right? I guess is the... Uh is, is that so that's I think really helpful it's like I didn't want to I don't want people to have the illusion that like okay I'm going to start a law firm what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire this big giant team to do everything I've got to automate everything um and I have no revenue <laughs> totally <laughs> but be. with a nuance these days because we have the uh, capability and the potential to be able to hire virtual teams the, the costs are much uh you know much easier to be able to build out a team with like literally less than a couple thousand dollars a month you could have a five percent operation team to do all the work for you yeah, so so when you say virtual teams, are you talking about offshore some of that? Most of the time, they are offshore. Uh, yes, okay. offshore, yeah. And that's where, totally. the, that's where the trend is. Um, you know, I actually have a presentation that I'm doing on Friday about this, the, uh, the state of uh, the union, essentially, with what's going on with the market. People, the labor market is very competitive. I'm sure anybody who's a law firm owner understands. They're competitive. People that are working are not really working. And the ones that are working, it's, it's a big labor issue. So if that's the case, we basically have to start supplementing or even replacing those internal teams with essentially overseas people that can do the job even better and a lot more cost effectively. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense in a lot of different areas. And I think you're right. People are 
really struggling. Um, a lot of the firms that I work with, uh, and it, it's kind of weird how it's gone. Like right after the pandemic, like the labor market was ridiculously tight. Like you couldn't hire anybody. Then it it seemed to loosen up for a while, and now I'm starting to hear people struggling again to find people. Like it's it's tightened back up. Like they're 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 not uh, the recruiting's gotten gotten harder. Um, so yeah, offshoring some of that can be can be really helpful. Totally, and the trend is there. It's going to get more and more tough. And actually, this leads to actually what I want to share is, you know, if the labor gets uh, tougher, it's uh, it's because you know people is the hardest part of any business. So, and, and I realized the parts that were of my business that were automated were a lot easier to manage and set up than dealing than depending on people to run it for me. So systems is easier than people. If that's the case, well, thanks to ChatGPT and AI not coming onto the scene, what if we start, essentially, I'm sorry to say this, replacing people with robots and machines that can do a lot of that work? And I'm here to share with you, Christopher, it's not really being shared. I've been able to build the first law firm AI intake system for uh, law firm owners. Essentially, instead of you having intakers going in and calling up your leads to qualify them to see whether they qualify and getting them signed up, actually been the first one to be able to prove this uh, uh, to set this up i'm actually on friday again that presentation inside our community i'll be presenting it first to our members uh we're going to be onboarding people to it you know getting some case studies from it and then uh, eventually be releasing it to the member uh, public very soon i have a few questions for you about that that we're going to bring up in the uh, third segment after the second break i'm about that some more because that's definitely an area i'd love to dive a little bit more deeply with you um but let me just uh, finish kind of like the introductory stuff which is Key question I think I asked at the beginning is, okay, so you've unlocked this method. You've unlocked a way to build law firms through systems and automation and staying away from unscalable activity, You know, one of what you called one-on-one. Why don't you just keep doing it? Why are you wanting to help other law firms grow too? Because there's always a new level. And, and I realized that multiple reasons, and I'll share with uh, One is when I'm presenting it and I'm talking about it. So I always say teaching is the highest form of learning. So as mm-hmm. I'm sharing it, I'm realizing new things. And then there's people that are discussing it that share things with me. People share their experiences with me. I'm able to get data back and take that, whatever I shared, and now take it on a higher level. And every time I share a new thing or, or I teach a new thing, essentially I'm learning new things too along with that. That's one. Second thing is I've always had an inherent uh, need and to want to share and give. I, if you ask people that knew me in high school and middle school, I was always the ones that would create the outlines and pass them off. I don't know why. I just, I don't like holding things to myself. You know, I think it's, I don't like being lonely. I don't like sharing, uh, you know, having my own wins. I like winning together. So that's, a, that's I think it's a personality kind of trait that I have. Just, it's all giving. I enjoy giving. All to, uh, thing. And third thing is, it also builds up my network. Um, essentially, you know, think of it as, I know it sounds funny, it's, think of it like a big funnel. People join my program, but from that, there are some particular people that really stand out. And there's, you know, and I'm able to pick and choose who now that I could partner up with and do other types of other businesses with. So a lot of those members I've been able to create law firms with. I've been able to now do some referral stuff with a lot of other th- good things that come out of doing good, essentially. That makes a whole lot of sense. So we're talking right now with uh, Sam Malai, and uh, we were talking right now kind of about what he's doing with uh, his My Legal Academy. Um, business, but we've also been talking about how he's grown several law firms, some to many multi-million dollars. We're going to take a break here because we need a few dollars to make this show work, and so we're going to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, Sam, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about disruption 
um, in the second segment, what that means to you. And then everybody stay tuned for the third segment because we're going to talk about AI, chat GPT, and how that's uh, going to be playing a bigger and bigger role um, in our law firms. But before we hear any of that, we're going to hear from our sponsors. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. And welcome back to the Unbillable Hour. We're talking with Sam Malai. We talked a little bit about his background and, and the firms that he's built for himself and why he helps others too. But Sam, in the intro, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about there was that uh, you have a passion for disrupting the legal market. And so before we even go that, I think that's that word is overused these days, um, particularly in Silicon Valley, but across the board, it's, it's overused. So let's get clear. What do you mean by disruption? What, do you, what are you disrupting? That means being a contrarian and questioning everything as it's done and doing it better. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It, it does mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, obviously, we, I think the classic examples that are easy to hold out to people are like Uber came and disrupted the taxi market or the personal, you know, individualized transportation market. Um, there are so many others. Uh, but what, I mean, legal, there's a lot about legal that's kind of ripe for disruption. What are you aiming at? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish as you say you're being contrarian and uh, disrupting the legal market? So as soon as uh, ChatGPT was released late in November, in early December in our community, we were talking about it, we were doing demos, we were, and we started essentially creating think tanks about how can we use ChatGPT to be able to disrupt the legal market. And I kind of led it, and I basically asked, hey, what are the biggest problems that we're dealing with right now? So we started with the problem, problem statement, and then secondary, well, how can, how can AI and ChatGPT be able to alleviate or make this problem better? So I realized something that I've, deal with on a day-to-day basis and it's been my been my life essentially for the last four or five years every day day in, day in and out is that I could generate leads all day long I literally at this point have no it's unlimited about how many leads I could generate across essentially dozens of different practice types however the bigger challenge is how can I turn more of those leads into clients and I feel like that is the more challenging part that's where most people need to focus on and I realized, hey, eh, you know, I've been in the last couple of years, built out intake teams of 30 people, 40 people, been able to scale up one of our intake team to 450 clients per month. It took us two years to get there, but it took so right. much work. We had to have, yeah. you know, intake managers that came in and out. We had to create uh, goals and incentives and get the tracking down, get the CRMs, get the automations. There was so much work that had to be involved. And I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, this is probably the biggest problem that I have. And if it's the biggest problem for me, it probably is the biggest problem for most law firm owners. So I'm going to focus in on how can I use AI to be able to solve this problem. 
Okay, so so it's that it's the conversion that that you're focusing on right now with 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 AI converting more leads into clients. Yeah, and this is um, and I, I want you at the end of the show, um, and not before, but at the end because I want everybody to wait for it. Is uh, you've talked a couple of times about this Friday presentation, so hopefully, uh, well, uh, you hopefully when by the time the show airs, that will have happened already. Yeah, and it will um, be up in some shape or form for so people that follow me. Um, if you just go search on. Uh, on YouTube, Sam Malai or My Legal Academy, go to find my YouTube channel. I've been posting every single day for the past 12 months, at least 12 months. Um, a lot of value being shared and everything that I do is kind of shared there. Perfect. So we're focused, we're taking AI to focus on it. But so, but you talked about you can generate, because you know what? There's a f- bunch of listeners here going like, what do you mean you can generate unlimited leads? What do you think, you know, today the marketing has changed, you know, paid search has gotten expensive. What are the best ways to generate new clients or at least leads for law firms now? Like, what are you looking at that's uh, the most effective? So everybody has strengths. Um, some people like search. Some people are good at SEO. Some people are good at content. I've been able to kind of uh, get exposed to all of those and try to figure out out of all those, which one is the most efficient, most scalable, and most trackable out of all of them for the lowest amount of effort. And that I found to, for paid ads, essentially running ads on different social media accounts to be the best source of getting clients online consistently, again, trackable and super scalable. So essentially it comes down to Facebook ads, YouTube ads, TikTok ads, all those platforms, be able to know how to how to do it correctly. That's the big if. There is mm-hmm. there's a lot of art and science there. Then that's one of the you know key components of our of our program, showing exactly what's working now, because these things literally change on a weekly basis and a monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we share exactly what's working now based on actual things that I currently do. Myself, I spend about $450,000 a month in ads. So I share what's working uh, from that. And also we get also a lot of feedback, you know, because I'm so open inside our community. People should also I invite people to be open and uh, too, because the more realizing our community, the more that we share, the more we can all grow together. So we kind of kind of inbred this kind of mentality. So based on that, we basically, uh, we help each other win. Now, a lot of people spend quite a bit of money on search engine optimization or SEO, and you have some pretty strong feelings about that. What, what's going on with SEO today? If people that are doing SEO successfully, by all means, keep at it and power to you. But most people, I would say nine out of 10 people that are doing SEO, if you actually go in, I'm sorry to bypass a lot of companies, the SEO companies that do this. If you just go to semrush.com, get a trial, if not sign up for $99 a month, go put in your website there. And look, go look at your progress in, ever since you started SEO. Okay, so that's the first thing. And then you'll be kind of be surprised about your results. That's the first thing. Second thing is, I'm sorry, your rankings and stuff don't matter nearly as much as 10 years ago. These days, mm-hmm. Google Ads, Google Local Service Ads, Google My Business, all those things have trumped SEO. Why? Because right. Google doesn't make money from, from SEO, doesn't make money from organic stuff. They're making money from Google, uh, Google LSA. Then there's Google Ads, then there's Google My Business, and then maybe there's the first ranking of of if you just happen to be really extraordinary good and been doing it for like five years and, and you know been doing it pretty aggressively, then fine you'll be there. But for nine out of ten people that are doing it, I'm sorry, SEO is not gonna cut it. It's much better to even take that money, however much it is, a couple thousand dollars a month, and just put it into better sources. Again, paid ads I think is a more direct ROI investment that people can make to generate clients. So, I mean, and I think I, I want to just emphasize what you're saying, because I think it's like people, all they have to do is go do a Google search right now, right? Google now owns almost the whole space above the fold, you know, the, 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 the first viewable space. There's no organic stuff 
visible into the lower part of the page. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. And the fact that ChatGPT came on the scene too. So even in Google's entire business model is now at risk. And now Google's trying to frantically figure out what to do. So, you know, we have, we have no idea what the future even looks like in a year uh, when it comes to Google search. You mean by chat GPT affecting that be because people will just ask chat GPT and not Google it? Or no, I mean, I'm sure Google, I mean, Google has barred, but now Google, instead of, you know, instead of having search results and ads and things like that, well, people are going to start asking Google barred for those things. And now how's Google going to show you and five other people, people's, you know, ads and or rankings? So yeah, it's it's gonna be major disruption happening in the next couple months. It's disruptive, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is definitely good to diversify the way you've been talking about. All right, so we've been talking now about uh, we talked about like what you've done with your firm. So we, now we talked about sort of the best ways to generate leads and some of the, the stuff that's dead and uh, how important diversifying is and how AI and ChatGPT is being disruptive in that space. What I'd like to do is give our sponsors one more chance to. Uh, Tell us about their stuff. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about two things. Just what do you see going on for law firms in the coming year? And going to come back and circle back to the disruption that AI's got in intake and other areas and just see what your take is on that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. We're back with Sam Alai. We have been talking about the future of law firm operations, marketing, and said we're going to pull back. So before we get into the last topic I want to talk to you about, which is the AI, and maybe it's the same answer, but other than AI or including AI, you know, you're really have your pulse on what's going on and, uh, and, and what it takes to build these firms. What do you see as predictions for law firms in 2023, 2024? Um, what's changing and what are, what are the owners that are listening right now? need to be thinking about and be aware of. The elephant in the room is it's always going to get more and more saturated and more and tougher and tougher to be able to be successful and be able to run a successful law firm. So if that's the case, I think it comes down to adaptation, be able to be, I would, I would, I would say like be part of a community who's really staying in sync with what's going on now and really stay on it and ride the wave as it's going instead of trying to chase the wave. Don't be the one chasing the wave these days. Change is happening even faster than before. Again, as I said, before it used to be months and years. Now it's literally days and weeks. So you really want to know what's going on. That's the first thing I see. Second thing I mentioned earlier is about the labor landscape. And I'm just going to kind of tease that I'm going to be presenting on Friday. But let me just show, uh, just talk about 
couple of the first slides. So the labor landscape is changing, and then there's three key trends. The first one is inflation, which we already know, you know the big inflation that's happening, is driving up the cost of labor. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is labor participation rate continues to struggle to meet the labor demand. There aren't that many people that want to work, essentially, for the amount of demand that there is. We, I think we all feel that <laughs> deep down. And third is the scarcity of labor further increases the cost of labor. For, okay, so let's go through it again. The cost is getting higher. There's more people that need it, but not any people that, need, uh, that want to work. And the cost is going up. And I actually have a graph that comes along with this. And this has been the trend since 2000, since 2000 and it's straight down. And there's no sign of going anywhere back up at all. So it's just going to continue going down. So that means employees are becoming more scarce, more expensive, and more unreliable. But what that means is more stress, longer hours, and eventually lower burnout. So basically, if you're dealing with not enough clients, or if you're chasing clients, or you're lacking systems, essentially, you need to figure out how can I be able to replace or fix this problem with more systems and with more with AI. And little by little, different divisions of law firms will eventually... AI will come and replace and fix those things. Again, the one that I'm focusing on myself is the, on the front end uh, for setting up clients. Well, you know, that's, yeah. that'll be one disruption. Second will be serving the clients. So when it comes to drafting things, uh, preparing anything, talking to clients, all the customer service will be majorly disrupted. And then the third is on the back end of a lot of marketing stuff uh, to be able to bring in those clients. So all three of those will be some shape or form disrupted with different companies. And you just, again, want to be riding the wave instead of wanting to chase the wave. So, which begs a question though, right? Because in two respects. One, you just talked about a lot of things. <laughs> and, you know, when we say ride the wave, you know, we're talking with, you know, a lot of our listeners here are, you know, relatively small firms and growing, but small with uh, relatively finite bandwidth in the management team. So, how do you pick what wave to ride? And then, well, let me stick with that one. Then I've got to follow up. Well, I'm going to tell you the follow-up question. Maybe you can address them both. So how do you pick, right? Which one's the most important? You picked one. That was good, right? That you picked intake, at least for now. But then, oh my goodness, it's a lot to learn. Now, you're spending a lot of your time and stuff learning that. But how do, how do these law firm owners learn enough to be really able to leverage some of these new and emerging technologies? I think it's important to just know What's going on? No is the first part. Second is yeah. the right partners. Right partners. Across all my law firms, all the six law firms, it's not me running it. I have at least, you know, 18 different teams that are running these six law firms. So it's just having, and then that, you know, and then for that, I was thinking about partners, you know, it's not team members and things like that. I have the right people in the right place to be able to write this with. So yeah, that's what it really comes down to. It's just at least uh, for me, practically speaking, again, our we have a community that talks about this on a day-to-day, -day, literally day-to-day, -day, we're posting in forums, sharing different tools, different things that work for, for me, how oh, this is work for you, all that stuff that's there. And then second is we introduce different partners to each other. My, my program doesn't do anything for you. It just uh, provides all the resources and things for you to be able to get this built for you, basically. So I have the ability to hear our audience from the future um, as, they're, as they're listening to this show. And one of the questions that they're asking in the future is okay, right partner's good. You know, knowing is most important. And I agree, and that's part of what we're doing here, right? We're, we're trying to educate. 
But what about the clients? You know, you've been doing this for some, because I'm just going to, I know the question is going to be, they don't want to talk to a robot. Like clients want to talk to a real life person, a real life lawyer to talk, to talk about their real life problems, to make a decision whether they want a real life law firm to help them with the real life problems at a real life court or other situation. Like how do we get past the human element in incorporating this technology? There's still going to be a need for critical thinking. And yes, there'll be still a lot of room for the lawyer to to serve their clients. However, a lot of the day-to-day could be a lot more efficient and actually optimized for the client to make the client's life easier. A lot of these law firms that that I see that I get exposed to, when they don't have the systems, that means their clients or their prospects are calling up the law firm, but no one's picking it up. And even if there's a follow-up, there's no follow-ups. So the client falls off. And that's that's not good customer service. So instead, if you have robots that can come and say, okay, what problem do you have? Okay. And be also be sympathetic. A lot of these robots, I know it sounds crazy. They're able to mimic human emotions, at least try to, uh, to be responsive, mm-hmm. listen, do what they're supposed to be doing. And I think over time, I know there'll be some pushback early because people are not used to it, but over time, people will actually request to talk to robots because robots will know it will have an optimized way to ask the right questions, be responsive, and all those other benefits that doesn't depend on a dependency of a human to do that all that for you. People will ask to speak to the robot. Yes. That is a fascinating concept. But you know, it resonates, right? Like even today, like and it's not even robots, but it's like like my my son, he like he's I told him he's gonna order some food, right? And so he gets on seamless. And then he comes across the restaurant he wants it says call. He's like, I don't want to call. I want to speak to a person. Like, it's so much easier. Like, I'm more efficient to just do it here. So I can, I can see what you're talking about. And that, that's, that's a very interesting. And for our audience, I think that should be a very eyebrow-raising concept is that people will prefer to talk to the robot, which means if you don't have one, you might be at a disadvantage. Totally. And I give you a really good practical example that a lot of people deal with. Amazon customer support. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's a problem with your order. Would you rather you do? Would you rather go call up a line and get wait on the line until you get to connect to somebody? You're like, oh, I have this problem. And the person says, Well, you have to mail it uh, back to me. I'm like, no, I don't want to mail it. They've already like think that. Okay, fine, we'll think it. Or, as you said, as your son, hey, let me just go on chat. What's the problem with your order? AI already knows it's probably gonna be one of three things. Well, the order that you received is not as good. Okay, and it gives you the most optimized option. How would you like to return uh, return it back to us for free? And you just literally within 10 seconds, you're able to select that. Same thing with Postmates. Yesterday, we had a problem with our order. Quickly, within two minutes, my wife was able to get a refund back without needing to go back and forth and do talk to a manager and all that stuff. So yes, again, over time, I, with anything new, I call it it's, it's FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yeah. Everything new invokes FUD. But over time, if it's, it is the more efficient, more responsive, quicker way to get the ultimate result that the client wants. Ultimately, we will get there. Just a matter of time. So that's the way I kind of see. It. I kind of see where, where, what's the more optimized way to be able to do something, and I just go for that instead of questioning it or trying to play games. I just go to it. Uh, I run to it. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. And we're gonna leave it there. So. Listen, we talked a few times about the fact that you're going to do this presentation regarding AI. And probably by the time um, our listeners hear this, that will have happened already. So can you share how they can access that presentation? Just go to YouTube, 
and search, uh, again, for either my name, Sam Molai, M-O-L-L-A-E-I, or search for My Legal Academy. A lot of things that I do, I put a lot of value out there. You know, I don't expect people to come and just hire me right away or hire our team. Go, go watch my videos, join our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group called My Legal Academy, be able to join there. I also have a book called Virtual Law Firm Secrets. Feel free to go on Amazon, just search for that. Any shape or form to get exposed to what I share. Uh, these things aren't going away. And it, it, if anything, is a huge uh, advantage to be able to understand these concepts and be able to kind of uh, slowly implement it for your law firm. People that have joined our program usually have a, t- uh, have a uh, tough time trying to figure out what our program is about. But then once they join, they realize what it's about. They're like, oh, this is so cool. This is, I've been needing this for so many years. So yeah, definitely at the very least, go check us on YouTube. Or if not, also you can check us on our website, mylegalacademy.com. Book a call to speak to us so we can tell you more about our program and, and how we help lawyers. Fantastic. Thank you, Sam. And of course, this does wrap up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I am Christopher T. Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you because I can see each and every one of you right now next month with another great guest as we learn more about the topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Just also as a reminder, every month we also have the community table. Um, where you can come on the show, be part of the show, and ask me and a guest. Um, I have lots of different guests coming on now. Uh, Anything. You can ask us anything. And those are always every third Thursday of the month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Third Thursday at 3, the community table. We look forward to seeing you there. And of course, as far as this show is concerned, remember you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at thelegaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. Thank you for joining us. We will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.